O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, September 5th. The Feast of Trumpets, or Yom Teruah, is coming up very soon on September 8th sundown going into September 9th. On the evening of Yom Teruah, we look for the sighting of the new moon. In Leviticus 23, 23-25, it is written, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. These are the major themes associated with the Feast of Trumpets, Teshuvah, or Repentance. It is called Rosh Hashanah, or the Head of the Year. It is called Yom Teruah, or the Day of the Loud Shout, or the Awakening Blast. It is also known as Yom Hadin, or the Day of Judgment. Yom HaZikaron, the Day of Remembrance, HaMelech, Coronation Day, Yamim Noraim, the Days of Ah, Yom HaKiseh, the Hidden Day, the Opening of the Gates of Heaven, the Last Trump, and the Resurrection of the Dead, and the Wedding of the Messiah. Stage 1 is Kedushin, Stage 2 is Nesuin. From Rosh Hashanah, also known as the Feast of Trumpets, to Yom Kippur, this ten-day time frame is known as the Days of Awe, Yamim Noraim. What is the spiritual application and meaning of the Days of Awe? Within the Days of Awe, we have two significant spiritual applications. The first is personal, and the second is prophetic. It is a reminder that Yom Kippur is fast approaching. On Yom Kippur, atonement will be made for each individual person. The rabbis teach that during the days of awe, the gates of heaven are open to receive the prayers of those who repent. In the final service of Yom Kippur, the gates of heaven are seen as being closed. The days of awe are a prophetic shadow of the tribulation period. The feasts are rehearsals, but one day Yeshua will return and it will not be a rehearsal. The prophetic application of the Days of Awe is this. They are associated with the time known as Jacob's Trouble, or the Great Tribulation. The Days of Awe are associated with the birth pangs of coming into the Messianic era. The Days of Awe will focus in on what is happening with events in Israel, the controversy of Zion, and the city of Jerusalem. 
The fall festivals teach us about the second coming of Yeshua the Messiah. Yom Teruah is also known as the day of the coronation, Ha-Melech. This is a major theme associated with this feast. The spiritual application is this. When Yeshua returns, he will be coming back as King of Israel, as the Messiah ben David, as it is written in Revelation 19.16. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bread Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Hazinu, and it means give ear. Deuteronomy 32, 1-10 Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I can say. Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like gentle showers on young plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. But they have acted corruptly toward him. When they act so perversely, are they really his children? They are a deceitful and twisted generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't he your father who created you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of long ago. Think about the generations past. Ask your father, and he will inform you. Inquire of your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land, in an empty, howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes. Ecclesiastes 10, 1-12-14 As dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink, so a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. A wise person chooses the right road. A fool takes the wrong one. You can identify fools just by the way they walk down the street. If your boss is angry at you, don't quit. A quiet spirit can overcome even great mistakes. There is another evil I have seen under the sun. Kings and rulers make a grave mistake when they give great authority to foolish people and low positions to people of proven worth. I have even seen servants riding horseback like princes and princes walking like servants. When you dig a well, you might fall in. When you demolish an old wall, you could be bitten by a snake. 
When you work in a quarry, stones might fall and crush you. When you chop wood, there is danger with each stroke of your axe. Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. If a snake bites before you charm it, what's the use of being a snake charmer? Wise words bring approval, but fools are destroyed by their own words. Fools base their thoughts on foolish assumptions, so their conclusions will be wicked madness. They chatter on and on. No one really knows what is going to happen. No one can predict the future. Fools are so exhausted by a little work that they can't even find their way home. What sorrow for the land ruled by a servant, the land whose leaders feast in the morning. Happy is the land whose king is a noble leader and whose leaders feast at the proper time to gain strength for their work, not to get drunk. Laziness leads to a sagging roof. Idleness leads to a leaky house. A party gives laughter, wine gives happiness, and money gives everything. Never make light of the king, even in your thoughts, and don't make fun of the powerful, even in your own bedroom, for a little bird might deliver your message and tell them what you said. Send your grain across the seas, and in time, profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. When clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. Light is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. But let them also remember there will be many dark days, Everything still to come is meaningless. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. But remember that youth with a whole life before you is meaningless. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor Him in your youth before you grow old, and say life is not pleasant anymore. Remember Him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your eyes, and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember Him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble, and before your shoulders the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding, and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. 
Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper and the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your Creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. But, my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Second Corinthians 8, 1-15 Now I, Paul, want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Yeshua. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. 
Let the eagerness you showed in the morning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Psalm 49, 1-20 Listen to this, all you people. Pay attention, everyone in the world, high and low, rich and poor. Listen. For my words are wise, and my thoughts are filled with insight. Listen carefully to many proverbs and solve riddles with inspiration from a harp. Why should I fear when trouble comes, when enemies surround me? They trust in their wealth and boast of great riches, yet they cannot redeem themselves from death by paying a ransom to God. Redemption does not come so easily, for no one can ever pay enough to live forever and never see the grave. Those who are wise must finally die, just like the foolish and senseless, leaving all their wealth behind. The grave is their eternal home, where they will stay forever. They may name their estates after themselves, but their fame will not last. They will die, just like animals. This is the fate of fools, though they are remembered as being wise. Like sheep, they are led to the grave, where death will be their shepherd. In the morning the godly will rule over them. Their bodies will rot in the grave, far from their grand estates. But as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me from the power of the grave. So don't be dismayed when the wicked grow rich and their homes become ever more splendid. For when they die, they take nothing with them. Their wealth will not follow them into the grave. In this life they consider themselves fortunate and are applauded for their success. But they will die like all before them and never again see the light of day. People who boast of their wealth don't understand. They will die just like animals. Proverbs 22, 20 and 21 I have written thirty sayings for you, filled with advice and knowledge. In this way you may know the truth, and take an accurate report to those who sent you. I want to speak to you today from our reading from Ecclesiastes, and we come to the final concluding chapter in chapter 12, and Solomon has now come to a conclusion to his grand experiment. His experiment is uh, he's searching for the answer to what brings true joy and happiness in life. And what are the secrets of life? What, how do we make meaning and purpose out of this life? And often we have encountered the phrase, all is a meaningless chasing after the wind. Hard work, meaningless chasing after the wind. Uh, Pleasures and drinking and gardens and revelry and partying and recreation 
traveling, all a meaningless chasing after the wind. And he had at his disposal tremendous wealth to explore all of these byways to find out, is this going to be the road to happiness? He had unlimited wealth and great wisdom. And so now he's come to the conclusion of the matter. And in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor Him in your youth before you grow old and say, Life is not pleasant anymore. He goes on to say in verse 6 and 7, Yes, remember your Creator now, while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. So, Basically, he's saying, remember your creator in your youth, and don't wait until you're old. And in verse 13, this is how he concludes his grand experiment, his search. He says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Solomon knew this. Now Solomon was David's son, and it was in David's heart to build the temple, and he had blueprints for it, and he acquired all of the resources, all the materials to build the temple. But he was not allowed to actually build it. God forbid him to build it. He said, you're a man of war and you have blood on your hands. It is for your Solomon, your son Solomon, to build this temple. And Solomon lived in a time of great peace. And so Solomon did indeed build the first temple. But also Solomon had a thousand wives and even more concubines. And in marrying these women, they introduced their false gods and their idols to him. And so he was led astray, and he set a poor example for the nation of Israel, and the whole nation went down a path of idolatry. And so Solomon, though he was very wise and also very wealthy, he was not perfect. He made some bad choices in life, and... So this book of Ecclesiastes that was written by him, we glean the wisdom that he had, that he has, but um, some of the things that he warns against are probably things that he learned the hard way through hard experience, difficult, painful experience. I look at verse 5 from chapter 10. Chapter 10, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 5. There is another evil I have seen under the sun. Kings and rulers make a grave mistake when they give great authority to foolish people and low positions to people of proven worth. 
I have even seen servants riding horseback like princes, and princes walking like servants. Everything backwards. And so I think about those verses and what comes to my mind is we have this tremendous human tragedy unfolding in Afghanistan. We have got Americans and British people and all kinds of folks that are trapped behind enemy lines and the U.S. troops pulling out and the Taliban has taken over and we have this bumbling incompetent commander-in-chief who has not handled the pullout of troops out of Afghanistan properly. And U.S. citizens and Afghan allies are in grave risk, and they have to be out by August 31st. Now, I'm recording this a week ahead, so even when I'm recording this, August 31st has not quite happened yet. It's a few days away. So we have somebody who is really not capable of being in the role of a commander-in-chief in that role, and people are dying because of the incompetence and foolishness and stupidity and lack of leadership. And so that's what comes to my mind when I read those verses. It's like, Father, we need somebody who's competent and who's capable and who's strong and and who knows how to handle these affairs properly so that lives are saved and not, uh, you know, there are people being beheaded and women who are being gang raped and taken as sex slaves and it it's just a terrible tragedy and so solomon saw that in his day he saw that in his day and he saw it as a terrible grievous evil so when we see these things in our day it's evil And all we can do really is pray and cry out to God and ask for his mercy and ask for his deliverance and stand in the gap on behalf of the Americans and Afghan allies that are stuck in a dangerous place that they would be able to make their way out safely. So we thank you, Lord, for this book of wisdom that Ecclesiastes, this book that Solomon wrote. And I pray, Father, that we will take these words to heart and that you will help us, each and every one of us, to seek after wisdom and that we would walk in that wisdom. We would apply that wisdom to our lives. I thank you, Lord, that the Torah is wisdom. I thank you, Lord, that Yeshua is wisdom. I thank you that that's one of the seven spirits of God, is wisdom. And I pray, Father, that in these days of trials and tribulations that we are living in, that you will give wisdom to your people, and that we will walk in your wisdom, in the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of the world. I thank you for the wisdom that Solomon shares in his book that we can glean from and apply to our lives all these thousands of years later. 
Thank you that wisdom has no shelf life. Wisdom is an eternal attribute. And it is something that is very practical that we can apply to our lives. Thank you, Father, for the book of Ecclesiastes. We pray all these things in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.